O'Neill, the kid from Paper Moon and Bad News Bears, is now more adorable than ever. Look, I don't like sharing this space with you, and you keep out of my way, and I'll keep out of yours. Deal? Isn't she a little darling? And Christy McNichol, everybody's favorite daughter from TV's family. She's sweeter than ever. Slide me something nice. Isn't she a little darling? Tatum and Christy, together for the first time in the true spirit of hot-blooded American competition. Nobody can stop these girls, so if you can't beat them, join them. Little darlings. You're entering a new era. This summer, do something special, something you've never done before. Angel versus Ferris. Whoever catches a guy first, wins. You just lost a hundred bucks, sucker. Now the game is on, and every male is up for grabs. What's your name, anyway? It's Randy. Don't let the name fool you. picture that suddenly grows up into something very special. Little Darlings. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Welcome back. This movie, this movie is wild. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is a wild. You know, this is my second time watching this movie this oh, year. Oh, this in my letterbox. Oh. I've watched this movie twice. Sometimes letterbox puts you on blast. Yeah, and it doesn't need to do. It doesn't need to do all that. But you know what? Hey, I'm glad to know that we watched this movie twice in uh, in 2023. It's really fun. Uh, I'm glad we get into it. Listeners, you're in for a treat. My name's Pete, and I'm Scott, and, and these, these are, are the, the movies, movies that made, that made us gay. Yes. Matt Keppel, who is the who is the one half of the electronic pop duo microfilm. Welcome to the show. Hey there. Matt, welcome to the show. Hello, how are you, you doing? You've been doing well. How you've been you? a friend of the pod for a while, so it's good to have you on. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I'm like, what's the phrase? Like 212 time listener, first time. <laughs> first time caller. Co-host, visitor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But like... What Angel says, don't let the name fool you. Uh-oh. Matt, <laughs> you wanted to talk about the movie Little Darlings. Yes. Which I feel yes. like ha- we have been 
kind of we've been toying with we've little been toying with for it. a long time. We've been tossing it back and forth with a little ball mm-hmm. of yarn. Our guest for episode one, uh, for episode two hundred, Helen, mm-hmm. she mentioned little darlings she in her did. email. So we almost did it with her. Yeah, but we did oh. nine, we did nine, we did nine to five, five instead. Another yeah. another movie from nineteen eighty. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah, you're right. Um, but we saved. But we saved it. We're here. We're talking about little darlings. Scott, give us uh, do the paperwork. Give us the stats on little darlings. Little darlings, directed by Ronald F. Maxwell, written by Kimmy Peck and Darlene Young, based on the story by Kimmy Peck, released March twenty first, nineteen eighty. Wow. So, little darlings. This was always a movie that I had heard about, but I think that just with availability with home video digital streaming rights i did not watch this movie until probably 2020 like fairly recent because Mm. i remember it being sort of a big deal when this was added to streaming just because it was mia for the longest time probably probably music Music rights rights which usually whenever a movie go is not available on streaming chances are there are songs in the movie that are hard to license decades later. And I know that Little Darlings was kind of like that. So I'm kind of curious, Matt, why, what, what made you want to choose Little Darlings to talk about? Well, if you, go, if you take the title of your podcast and say, <laughs> and extrapolate it to like movies that made us gay. Yeah. So you're talking about like when you first had the ideas that you might be yes. gay in your mind. So that's like usually... I mean, it depends person to person, but usually like early teens, kind of like 12, 13, something like that. And that's the age I was when I saw this movie for the first time. It wasn't when I heard of the movie, because I actually heard of it when I was, whenever it came out, I was like eight years old or something. So actually, when you said the date, it actually came out on my birthday when I turned eight years old. Oh, wow. Um, wow. <laughs> and I have an older, I have an older sister who's six years older than me. So she was like at the age of these characters, of like the Tatum yeah. O'Neill character in this movie so i'm sure she saw it when it came out and she used to get like 17 magazine i remember there there was an a issue with those two girls in it and they were like hey get the christy mcnichol look whatever and <laughs> so like little eight-year-old gabe mind was yeah. like oh what's this what's this and then when i finally saw it on like syndicated tv on a saturday afternoon or right. something I was like super obsessed with it because it's the same time I was watching Facts of Life, mm-hmm. which is not really re- 100% related to it, but it's the same kind of like kindred group spirits. Of, yeah, group of teenage girls discovering themselves and kind right. of like dealing with their lives, whatever. Right. So I was intrigued. I wish that um, Blair and Joe had. I a- was going to say, I'm glad you brought up the Facts <laughs> of Life because that played it's a parallel. Yeah, it's a big part of the retooling of season two. Of the fact That's of life. right. Where were we watching that? Yeah. And they talked about that. The really shitty to be documentary, documentary. On the facts of life. Those like, <laughs> sure. Uh, t- listeners, to be, God bless. God Tubi. bless to be. <laughs> it's mine. given yeah. us so much. Section eight Netflix. We not, love it. Not a sponsor of the show yet. <laughs> but there are these like kind of wannabe like Dateline 2020 like real hard hitting news documentaries about these classic TV shows from the seventies and eighties. And the one about facts of life really talks about, they go, they go in a little deep on the, the, the producers, the powers that be seeing little darlings and saying that mm-hmm. give us, do that, do that on the show and we'll renew it. 
And that's where and so that's where interesting. We got Joe and for this is such. Two. I mean, I would imagine this movie probably pressed a lot of buttons at the time. With well, how it portrayed youth. Sure. Too. So I want to say a couple of things about this movie and just like <laughs> my kind of like growing up. Right. Okay. So Christy McNichol to me and. A little bit of Tatum O'Neill, but I feel like mostly Christy McNichol. She kind of had this tomboy kind of persona, right, as a teenager. Yeah, that's a word for it. Yeah, yeah that that's lesbian, a word for she it. She had that lesbian energy pretty early in her career. <laughs> All right. So, you know, she was on a sitcom, this show Family, and she, right. she played Buddy, and Buddy was definitely a tomboy, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and now here she is in this movie. And I feel like Christy McNichol is... Gorgeous lady, beautiful woman. I remember her mostly from the Golden Girls spinoff, Empty Nest. Which yeah, I that's kind of where she yeah. kind of got into everyone's. Well, people our age and or yeah. my age and younger a little bit yeah. who were kids in the eighties, mm-hmm. early nineties. It was on after Golden Girls, so it was just like if you watch that show, you instantly went into Empty Nest. After yeah, they would born. eventually. Absolutely. They would sometimes do the crossover with characters. Yeah, they would show up. And Marty from Greece shows up. Yeah. Yeah, but to, but to me, y- young teenage Chrissy McNichol, Buddy, and you know Angel in this movie, a very androgynous kind of persona, mm-hmm. um, and my little confused child mind, I was just like, okay, there's something going on there that I'm definitely like drawn to. But uh, I mean, on the other hand, and we need to tread lightly about this because we are all grown people. So we're going to talk about our feelings at the time, but Matt Dillon in this movie. Oh, my God. (laughs) I remember first watching this movie and then sort of doing the math on my phone of how old was Matt Dillon when he made this movie? This is a child. This is a child. (laughs) Well, he's he's probably, what, like 16, 16, 17, maybe? 16, 17. If, If that, I feel like he might even be 15. But I mean, yeah, he's still he's a child. He's a minor in this movie, you know, six, 16, let's say 16, 17. Yeah. So we fully acknowledge that we're talking about minors. We're but putting we, it out there. But we're also talking about we were minors at the time. We're, <laughs> our admiration for Matt Dillon now is Matt Dillon today. Yeah. I, I will be in the camp of I would jump into bed with Matt Dillon today. Yeah. Over Matt, over Matt Dillon and okay. Little Darling. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's not my he's not my thing, a little darling. So just okay, but, um, okay, okay. I think there's a super interesting, and this could be a complete ten, tangential thing. I uh-huh. don't have to go down, but it's so interesting to me that Chrissy McNichol and, and Matt Dillon, who become like the love interest in the in the film, are right. so identical looking yes. in so many ways. Yes. Yeah, they're both like skinny, feathery brown, yeah. dark brown hair. What if you were like David Lynch re- remaking this movie and it was like a <laughs> doppelganger kind of like Mulholland Drive? Oh my God. That they were almost the same person or she was seeing someone who didn't really exist. Do you know what I mean? No. I'm I've... going down to weird rabbit no, hole. No, no, no. But you're Christy absolutely McNichol right. character you're absolutely right. isn't going to fall for the like the blonde guy. But it would kind of – I feel like in a, 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 a worse movie it would be – Tatum O'Neill. Sure. Yeah. It would just be the like opposites attract kind of yeah. thing, right? Which I was kind of wondering with the production mm-hmm. that Tatum O'Neill would have been the draw coming off right. of right. just sort of this 
this mega child star wins the Oscar when she's 10 years old, makes the Bad News Bears, was a huge hit. I'm kind of surprised that the story wasn't retooled that she is the main focus of the story. Right. Because Christy McNichol is. Right. I think maybe when they filmed this, Christy McNichol just finished her, her the family TV right. show. Yeah, yeah. So she was probably like a big deal, maybe a more recent big deal than yes. Tatum O'Neill was. Because yeah. I read in the Wikipedia that the producers offered, went to Christy to be in the movie. And they're like, you can have either role. Which role ah. do you want to do? It was like a Thelma Louise do- situation. <laughs> yeah. Both are. You yeah. Can- and she's like, she, they asked her if she wanted to play Ferris, the rich girl character. And she said, no, I want to play Angel. I mean, shocker, right? Yeah. <laughs> but she did it. So Ferris was, or Tate O'Neill was like, I'll do the rich girl character. And I think, yeah. obviously, that's the best yeah. setup for no. this movie. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it definitely works. So works the best speaking of the story. casting, I was, I was just kind of Googling articles today about this movie just to see how much is written on the production of this movie and what i did find was brooke shield's name was kind of thrown out there and i think that they did offer to her mother who i think asked for too much money okay okay so i mean could you see brooke shields i think maybe as as ferris sure as the ferris role maybe i think maybe as the yeah as the tatum o'neill character she could even have played like the the snotty girl too. Cinder. 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 Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, oh, right. <laughs> There's a lot. So to we, we gotta pay, we yep. gotta pace ourselves here because uh, again, I, I feel yeah. So my my kind of history with this movie is that it was just always in the vi- at the video store, you know, and it had this cover, and just the two of them just look so quintessentially like 1980. They're just very, very much 70s at this nexus yep. of the 70s and the 80s and they're yep. like back to back and it's camp. And you know the <laughs> the summer camp movie was a big genre, right? But it's like yeah. it's it's meatballs and it's you know all mm-hmm. this stuff, right? Very boy. But this is two, boy targeted. But this is two girls. Yeah. yeah. And and again one of them is Christy McNichol who I'm like she's confusing me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, uh, am I in love with her? I don't know. Um, so yeah, so there's. I think it's kind of interesting. Oh god! No, no, yeah, keep going. I think it's kind of interesting that this movie is so almost the entire cast is female, right? Mm-hmm. They, I mean, there's the Matt Dillon character and then the the counselor character, but right. it's pretty much all girls, which I think at the time must have been kind of strange, right? That wasn't yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, like focus. yeah, and I think it may have may have been like a risk, maybe for like movie studios or whatever. Like this is a girl movie. Like this isn't a, a but also it's a girl movie, but it's not a co-ed summer camp, right? Which right. you could kind of see an angle of this movie where there were more boys mixed in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we'll we'll get to the the plot in a moment, but I mean, the storyline. You know, we just watched uh, Siskel and Ebert at the movies. We found their episode critiquing this movie and um i feel like with fresh eyes in 2023 you're watching this and you're like this shit is heavy these are children these are little children talking about like we're gonna lose our virginity we're gonna go fuck armando sante who is fully (laughs) in his 30s like there's a lot there's some heavy stuff going on but i feel like siskel and ebert were just like yeah it was a fun romp (laughs) and they didn't like that's the whole kind of like strange like what's the word i'm looking for like time stamp of the movie that when it came out in 1980 i feel like american society still had that like 
post hippie, post mm-hmm. sexual revolution, druggy seventies, yeah. hot smoking, like non helicopter parent kids doing whatever they wanted yeah. kind of vibe. Yeah. Absolutely. So, if, and also not so. Uh, what's the word like? Nitpicky on being like, is this appropriate for kids? I think that yeah. people didn't really care about kids opinions on things you're right. just like just like make a movie about kids having sex and yeah everyone's like oh, yeah. okay i guess yeah. oh. oh, well the other thing that we saw too real quick scott is that a it's rated r sure yeah, yeah. this is a children's movie a movie targeted r. at teens yeah. rated r and b uh gene siskel was like sure it's rated r but like the movie theaters don't even check that so just go watch it <laughs> well, he was like, they don't enforce it, so who cares? Cisco and Eber kind of <laughs> said that the parts of the movie that they didn't care for is kind of the parts where they're portrayed as kids yeah. doing like yeah. summer camp shenanigans, food fights, yeah. stealing condom machines. Like those were kind of the things that they had the biggest problem with, sure. which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, they wanted they wanted them to delve a little bit more deep into the like the consequences of losing your virginity and all that stuff and and I th- I feel like it goes there, but um, I think that you need a mix of crazy shit. Right. Some I want summer camp shenanigans. Well, I like seeing the two characters of Angel and Ferris kind of like their walls breaking down and the two of them kind of starting a friendship through all of this craziness. I think the movie is it controversial to think that I think the movie should have been PG. I don't get why it was R. There was yeah, not like yeah, yeah. There's, there's no sex in it really, and there's, there's like there's not a lot of no swearing. Violence. Yeah. There's barely is, any swearing. There, I'm like, why and there's, is rated R? there's no nudity at a time when I mean, you see tits and like uh, sixteen candles, right? And, and that's PG, PG. Yeah. and that's PG. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's maybe just the themes, but yeah, that's that's a, it's a it is kind of strange that it is rated R. Yeah, and every character in the movie is under the age of like sixteen. It's kind of yeah. like what? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, before we get any further, we should kind of do a little kind of synopsis of the movie so we can kind of get more into it. Should Scott, do you want to do it? Should I take it? Um, you take this Okay, one. so... I did it on the last episode. All right, so it's, uh, it's the beginning of the summer. There are two girls who are our heroes. Uh, it is ferris and ferris has a last name and it's very like it's like a rich girl last name i forgot we're full whitney, I think ferris, it's whitney yeah i think it's ferris whitney yeah ferris whitney and her intro is this the split uh this is a very old effect that they used to do in like movies back in the day where they would split the focus so something in the foreground and something in the background are both in focus and uh mm. the foreground is a rolls royce and the background is like this huge mansion. These with, movies always had pillars. kids being chauffeured around in yes, Rolls Royces. Yes, you knew you were a rich child um, right. in the eighties. Uh, Ferris Whitney, and then well, it actually starts off with Angel, kind of on the wrong side of the tracks. She's coming out of like an apartment building. Angel has the fun trashy can mom. You, can you imagine an apartment building? Her mom's kind of <laughs> trashy, smoking cigarettes, and they both get dropped off. For some reason, on the roof of, like, a high-rise. So, Pete, I did look on Wiki, and it is set in Atlanta. Okay. We were kind of wondering that. We weren't really I sure where it was set. it's a parking lot, right? It's yeah. a parking lot, but it also seems like there are tall buildings around it. The roof it, of a parking garage. It almost looks like it's on the roof of a, of a building. I can't tell. Yeah, it could be the ground floor. Who knows? 
I'm projecting. Um, <laughs> but, but they're go, they're going to summer camp, and and uh, they get in a bus, and none of none of these girls know each other. Uh, they go to the summer camp. They're deaf. They're complete opposites. Angel and Ferris. Angel is you know the tough girl from the wrong side of the tracks. Ferris is a rich girl in a in a Rolls Royce. They go to summer camp. They meet their colorful, you know, uh, cohorts at, at camp, and immediately right off the bat, they don't they don't get along. And for some reason, well, I know the reason. The reason is Cinder. There's a girl. <laughs> there's a girl on the bus named Cinder who is uh, she's an actress. She's a teen model, kind of prototype Judy from Sleepaway Camp. She's the little Judy from Sleepaway Camp. Mm-hmm. She's she's just you know up her own ass. And she's going around telling everybody how she's engaged to her boyfriend. Who's like 37. Who's 37. Yes. And (laughs) making out in a car before she gets on the bus with a bunch of 12 year olds. Yeah. Totally French kissing this 35 year old father of six. Grown man. Yes. (laughs) And so she gets in the bus and she just starts kind of like assuming that all of these other 12, 13 and 14 year olds have had sex. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, yeah, of course, and they're all just like, yeah, yes, yes, I've had, yes, I am ten and have had. Sex. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're kind of bluffing, obviously, a little they're, bit. Yeah, or yeah. Some, I'm assuming most of them or all of them are kind of lying and yes. bluffing. Yeah, and because they're all younger than the the like Cinder Angel and um and Ferris, Ferris are all probably around the same age, yes. fifteen. They look to 16. be about fifteen, sixteen, mm-hmm. and the other girls are all younger, kind of like impressionable. Yes. So so young. so young. Uh, one of the girls, uh, Cynthia Nixon, <laughs> Sunshine, <laughs> Sunshine, the little hippie girl. I I love this character arc. I love Uh-oh. this beat that she's just a hippie and she's like, take vitamins, it'll make you feel better. Um, and so they kind of uh, through the like shenanigans on the bus, they kind of uh, and and also some shenanigans when they get into their their bunk at the camp, they decide to have this contest. And Angel and Ferris need to beg a dude. Whoever has sex first will get Cinder's $100 residual check from her shampoo commercial. What was the shampoo commercial called? It was like Tingle, <laughs> Tangle, Tingle Curls, yeah. or Tangle Curls, and or she, something. And yeah, she's the before girl. <laughs> <laughs> how much is how much is a hundred dollars in two thousand twenty three? I mean, yeah, nineteen eighty mo- eighty money, probably probably pretty decent. And so once this bet gets kind of laid laid out, all the other girls in the bunk and all the other girls from different bunks start throwing in money. So the mm-hmm. bet keeps it's not only a hundred dollars; it starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so now this is their goal. Uh, Ferris, I just I just Google it. Tell me, a hundred dollars in nineteen eighty is worth. Three hundred and sixty-five dollars and ten cents today. Okay, work. Yep. And everybody's throwing so in five dollars. Good. That's five dollars here, ten dollars there. That's a pretty good chunk of change for yeah. like a yeah for like a twelve-year-old. Yeah. Somebody's gonna yeah. somebody's gonna bag you know five six hundred bucks at the end of, at the end of the summer if <laughs> one of these two girls you know makes it with a boy. And so you know the shenanigans ensue. Of first of all, they have to find a guy. So our thing is, there's a boy camp across the lake. Mm-hmm. The one shot that there's maybe some nudity is through binoculars. You get some boy butts from a distance. You know, because yes. who could forget when you're at summer camp with a bunch of boys and you just are swimming naked in the lake? I mean, it was the 1980s. Of course. <laughs> it was 1980, Pete. Yeah, that was 
actually, I don't. Were they skinny dipping? Or were they just like? Oh, they I were think naked. They were naked. Yeah, Worse they were. Around. They were looking through those okay. binoculars too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they were. They were in the. They were. They were definitely horsing around, but they were. They were skinny dipping in in the in the lake in the middle of the daylight too. But it's. I guess it's an all boys camp, so who cares? Um. So yeah, so they're trying to find you know boys for them to do it with, and uh, Ferris. Tatum O'Neill, the rich girl, she mm. kind of decides that she really takes a liking to one of the counselors who's played by Armand DeSante, who, uh, who we looked it up, fully 32. Armand DeSante, kind of one of, those, one of those actors from this time in the 80s where I'm looking at him and I'm like, is he 27-year-old? Is, is he, is he 45? 45? I don't really know. <laughs> he... I feel like he he might he said he's thirty two. Yeah, he could be forty five. Yeah, and I'm all here for it. Yeah, but it's so. I mean, that's like the crux of the movie. Like mm-hmm. the most controversial thing is like Ferris is like fifteen. Yeah, and she's into this dude who's thirty two who looks forty five. Yeah. So and all the other girls are just like, yes, him, go. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. It's really. I mean, a, a couple of girls are like. Oh, he's, he's a little old. old. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I'm like, have you seen him in the Speedo he wears during the <laughs> swimming lesson? Because I would go for that in a right? heartbeat. He's got that, like, shaggy hair. He's got, like, the macrame, like, plants in his little cabin. Like, it's he's got something going on. What was Armando Sante's big deal? I'm, lo- I'm looking at his wiki right um, now. I mean... He was kind of like a just kind of a character actor yeah. who did. Um, he was like the foreign guy because is yes. he French or Spanish? He, I think he's probably Spanish. he's born in New York City, oh, but geez. I think that he's probably. But I think he would play Spain. an a, like yeah. you said, like an exotic. Kind I mean, of you type, could probably yeah. cast him as anything in 1980. Sure, yeah, too. Yeah, he, he could have played like Hispanic. Uh, yeah, he he was in uh, one of those like Hallmark Jason and the Argonauts movie. I think he was in the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. I think uh, he he did that. Um, but yeah, it's 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 wild that Ferris is like that's that's the one. This this man, this is a grown man. <laughs> so if you are one of the girl campers, who are you putting your money on? Angel. I, I feel like I would put my Angel money on Ferris? Angel. Yeah, if I was there, I would I would put my five bucks on Angel. I don't know. I, I feel like I would it. probably go with Ferris. You think the rich girls are a little bit looser? I easy? mean, maybe I just kind of get that bad girl, like, that bad girl energy just from Tatum O'Neill personally. Well, it's, ta- but but it's think, Tatum O'Neill. Do you think Tatum, or I should say uh, Ferris, because not mm-hmm. Tatum herself, mm-hmm. do you think she would risk... I guess she's 15. She doesn't give a shit about his job, but yeah. do you think she would risk getting in trouble, hooking up, and, like, screwing, like, a middle-aged man like i don't know clearly not because she is throwing herself at this man later she's, on she, yeah she, <laughs> she's throwing her <laughs> you answer my question she, she doesn't gonna get she doesn't end up doing it but she has no can. problem spreading all of the rumors and, that she yeah, did do it with li- them yeah and the so, lies yeah. which is, see and that's is that even worse i don't know i think that's kind of like the big gag of the movie is that we think that the girl from the wrong side of the tracks the girl with no father figure with the loose mother we think she's the one that's going to go into it and be like, yeah, who cares? Like, I'll just go fuck this guy. But when it gets down to brass tacks and she's in the boathouse 
with Matt Dillon, who's down to his tidy whities She's just like, I'm going to finish this cigarette, and it better not be wet over there because I'm going to go home. (laughs) (laughs) And she's making any excuse in the book not to get within – 15 feet of this dude. I was reading because that, she's got she gets cold feet, you know. I was reading mm-hmm. that um speaking of the smoking part, Christian yeah. McNichol took up smoking as a part of the oh, shit. preparation for the role in Tatum O'Neill taught Christie how to smoke. Cuz Tatum's pro- Tatum's probably been Tatum smoking, has been since, smoking since she was since, since she paper made moon. Paper Moon when she was 9 <laughs> years old. Yeah. Smoking cigarettes at 9 years old. I mean, yeah. there uh, is a journey of an actress that I find so fascinating and wild of just yeah. oh, yeah. story. I mean, the complicated relationship with her dad, yeah. her stepmother was Farrah Fawcett. Right. Mm-hmm. And wins the Oscar at 10 years old. I yeah. remember reading in Rob Lowe's book that he went on a date and went over to some actress's house that was using her Oscar as a doorstop. And he doesn't, and you're like, it's he Tatum. doesn't mention her by name, <laughs> but I just remember thinking, Oh, it has to be Tate O'Neill. Yeah. Because they're they're roughly like ballpark the same age. They would have gone out yeah. with each other. And I could see Tatum yeah. using the supporting actress Oscar as a doorstop. Sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, Tatum has such fascinating a, she career. has such a crazy trajectory as an mm-hmm. actor because she has these huge hits and award nominations and stuff as a kid. And then this is her last kind of like big movie. Right. And then she kind of her, once she hits the eighties, her career kind of just tanks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. no, totally. And actually, yeah. leaves. She leaves acting by the mid eighties, I think. And yeah, yeah. And I remember. I mean, before we started recording, we were talking about Drag Race, and I remember when she was a judge on Drag Race. And I don't know if it was just me kind of projecting, but I feel like there was a little bit of like her and Rue kind of having this little like wink, kind of like yes, she's oh, oh we've got a cat. On the cat, hold on. <laughs> oh, she does not care. Um, but yeah, it's like she, she had that. It was the same thing with Linda Blair, where it was like they had this big trajectory, a crazy eighties. <laughs> yeah, and now and now here we are. Series um, of bad girl movies too. Yeah, yeah, the bad. Yeah. I mean, I get this movie confused with Foxes a lot with Jodie Foster, right? Yeah. And that's about sort of uh, youth gangs in L.A., right? Yeah, I mean, not really a gang, just like not like a scary street gang, just like right. a group of girls who are f- good friends with each other. I'm sure that Jody would have been concerted for this movie at some point too. Oh yeah, she's probably the she's probably considered for either of those two yeah. characters. She could probably do either could, one of them. I could have yeah. seen her and, being sort of first offered any of these roles. Yeah, maybe she turned it down. I was like, this is too trashy for me. <laughs> I'm doing, I've already I'm done doing it. foxes, so I don't need to do another one. <laughs> yeah, been there, been there. Done girl. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, le- we should talk a little about, we talked about Cynthia Nixon as Sunshine. But um, mm-hmm. I want to talk about a little bit more about uh, Krista Erickson, who played Cinder, and Alexa Kennan. Yeah, oh, I love Alexa Kennan in this movie. So I think she's so good. Her first line in the movie is, has anyone seen Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's like 14. I love yes. that. So good. Yeah, this is on the bus. Uh, she plays <laughs> Dana. Um, you know, the their bunk is kind of populated with these girls. And um, we, we kind of mentioned it. Cinder is uh, the teen model who's a little bit kind of stuck up. And mm-hmm. um, she wears a full face of makeup every day. Hair is always done. Yeah. 
Um, Cinder's a little, or not Cinder. Um, Dana, Alexa Cannon is a little more, I guess, earthy, if you will. She's just a little bit more down to earth kind of girl. Um, you have uh, Sunshine, who is the the hippie child, and uh, we would be remiss if we do- did not mention Penelope, Penny Schubert, Pe- <laughs> oh, <wow>. Penny. <laughs> The little ten-year-old tagalong yes. little kid sister. I love this character. Is the fucking hero of this movie. She doesn't want to be in she the kids' that. bunk. <laughs> she wants to be with the women. <laughs> but uh, oh my god! So there's a scene in this movie where they steal a school bus. So they make the pact that one of these girls is losing their virginity. We don't have any condoms, but I think that they were just at this rest stop. Like there's a scene in this bathroom earlier, and they oh, go back to it. Oh, that scene is hot as hell. When they're in the bathroom. <laughs> so they <laughs> steal the school bus, right? Well, okay. With so Christy McNichol at the wheel. So there's some interesting conversations about safe sex and getting pregnant and all that stuff, and and yeah. like some one of the girls says like, "Oh, well, that's." That's the man's job. You can't trust like, those dum dums to remember the condom. Yeah, that. She, well, one of them said like that's the man's job, and another girl and Cinder says like, well, not since the pill, because Cinder's mm-hmm. like a liberated woman, so she's about taking the pill. But they're just like, okay, well, no, yeah, you can't trust these fucking idiots. So we got to go get, we got to go grab some some rubbers, and yeah, they go to this Christy th- McNeil at the wheel of that fucking school bus. Stealing it in broad I'm daylight. You, I'm a 46 year old man. I feel like I would be too scared to drive a school. They give zero fucks. <laughs> yeah, it's so, and they never get caught. No one, no one, no one notices a giant school bus just missing, missing. for about three hours. Yeah, gone. And like 12 girls just gone. Nobody sees yeah. these girls just, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. riding this bus from the camp. Yeah. So okay, so they get to this gas station bathroom. And the men's room is locked, so they th- throw Penelope through a window. <laughs> Christine McNichol kind of points it out of like, "There's a window up there. You should see yeah. if if um if, somebody's gonna fit. If Penny can <laughs> can fit through it. <laughs> I mean, this is when it comes in handy when you do have the younger kid tagging along. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. pull off shenanigans <laughs> like this. And she's kind of a superhero because she climbs up like a ten foot tall window, yeah. climbs into a bathroom, rips. A metal box off the wall. When she's kicking down, like when she's kicking condoms. down that box, when she breaks the door open, is back against and, her back against the wall, kicking. Could you a imagine? Could you imagine filming the scene? Because it doesn't look like she's really like suspended up there with anything. No, this is this little girl. She's standing, standing on a on sink. The sink. <laughs> In a bathroom, in a public bathroom, standing on a sink, kicking a condom machine, and fucking goat kicks it off the wall, and like <laughs> when she comes out carrying the entire machine, all the girls are like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> it's amazing. But this is where we first meet the meet cue with Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. I really like this scene. Sure. So where'd you get the car? The car, board. What about the girl? She came in the car. Ouch! What's your name, anyway? Me? Yeah, you. I know my name. Yeah, what is it? Angel. But don't let the name fool you. 
He's fooling you. You're drunk. You're cute. Still haven't told me your name yet. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's Randy. Don't let the name fool you. <laughs> he is... Because also, he's a child as well. Like, he's just... This, he's the same age as them, so he's 15, 16. I mean, I guess you could drive at that age, but it's like... He's driven there by this girl that's older. Yeah, this older right. woman that's driving this car. Does he have a relationship with this girl? Well, that's the thing. It's just like, how do what? Yeah. I think I, I like his reaction when he sees the condom machine, like, that's cool. That's badass. <laughs> yeah, he's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh my god. Um that, that yeah, that's, that's when uh, uh Angel meets What's Matt Dillon's? Oh, Randy. Randy, yeah. Randy, right? Yeah. That's when they meet and had their first, like, verbal interaction. And she says her famous line that she repeats about ten times. Yep, yep. Don't let the name fool you. <laughs> she's been using that for a while. But I love that she she does that thing where she's like, what's your name? And he's like, huh? Because he's just, like, <laughs> stupid, dumb, like, probably dumb. stoned Matt Dillon, you know? So every every question she asks him, he's like, huh? So she says, what's your name? He's like, huh? And she goes... Uh, you don't know your name? I know mine. And then she does the same thing where she's just like, where do you live? And she's like, I know where I live. You know? <laughs> and so she's like, she's kind of like dominating this conversation. She's kind of like, you know, she's she's like working him over. But um, yeah, and then she says the whole, the whole because he's like, oh, what's your name? And she's like, yeah, Angel, don't, don't let the name fool you. Oh, God. Perfect. Randy does have a quality about him that when I look at young photos of my parents and their friends, that they... They look like this. <laughs> like all of my dad and his friends. Sure. Yeah. They look like young Matt Dillon in this movie. Just that like long hair. Well, okay. So the next time they go to like scope him out, I love that it's that thing where they're just like riding like dirt bikes and motorcycles in a field. Yeah. <laughs> you think it's, it's a boy's camp. Like yeah. they're in the girls camp. So they have to do like the needle point yeah. and stuff. And the dudes the are like, get, get to, on the motorbike. The dudes get to ride dirt around. bikes. And the, and the counselor like leaves them alone for like two hours. Yes. Like, ride around the field. Yeah. No helmets, probably like, shirtless, just like riding around in a field. Did you grow up <laughs> going to summer camps at all? I did. I went to summer camp. I went to one time I went to a day camp and then I went to an overnight camp two other times. I was probably like, 10, 11, and then I went to one when I was in 6th grade. What's that, like 12 years old? Yeah, 12, yeah, 6th grade probably. And that was the most like this one because I went for a week. Ah. And it was with my – I went to a small like Catholic school. Okay. So it was – our entire class went to this camp in like northern Minnesota. And it was like the same thing like bunk like bunk houses with bunk beds and yeah. stuff. And – um. I did not like it. It wasn't like Little Darling. So, uh, <laughs> I, I went to point. camp twice when I was in elementary school, probably like the later half of elementary school, fifth uh-huh. and sixth grade. Yeah. I did it two years in a row. It was a Catholic summer camp. See? And I didn't quite get the good time that how the Little Darlings you, how girls long were you had. There? See now, that's the thing is, I feel like we were only there for like five days. See, we it wasn't it it wasn't that long. It's not like when you watch movies like The Parent Trap, where oh, they have your ass for the entire summer. Sure, it's. I mean, I think that's also just a very East Coast thing of that. 
Just if your parents can afford to get rid of you, they're going to send your ass to the mountains for a couple months <laughs> during the summer. And this movie, this movie is like the whole summer, right? I, mean, I like, take it. At least two months. Passage right? of time is yeah. is very like, yeah, strange in this movie. Yeah, but I take yeah. it; it's the entire summer. Yeah, yeah. That's probably yeah. something that I would ding the script on is stuff like the passage of time. I feel like for me, had I, I, I think I. As a kid, I would have been like, I want to go to summer camp. But I think once I was there, it would have been the whole... You like the idea of summer camp (laughs) I like the idea of it, but I feel like once I was there, it would have been the whole like, all right, queer. You know what I mean? Sure. (laughs) And I was that type of annoying child at the summer camp that I'm sure that the counselors were just like, oh my God, this one. Like quoting Romy Michelle's high school reunion (laughs) and just asking them question after question of the most random personal shit that they did not want to answer. That was probably me. Okay. Yeah, I think I would have probably got picked on a little bit for, uh, yeah. A little bit of Samir the Queer would have been going on. Going on yeah, I, I, you'd want it to be like the summer that you make out with Matt Dillon yeah, that ends yeah. up being, you're just in the food fight and people yeah. are throwing shit at you like, yeah. nonstop. Yeah, probably. And and, like and you're just eating, you know, just... Uh, that that processed scrambled eggs every day. Yeah. <laughs> the the just add water scrambled eggs. And I was always the little kid on the grade school pro uh playground mm-hmm. that would gravitate mostly to the girls. So yeah. something yeah, like that for too. me was kind of me stepping outside of my comfort zone that right. I'm around that many boys. Yeah. My own age. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So mm-hmm. probably a good thing that I didn't never made it to a summer camp situation, but also I was in LA. I don't think we really had them. I think here they would have been more like, um, like academic, like a science thing, or like kind of a, a, some kind of a focus. You know, I would have enjoyed Music working at a summer whatever. camp if I was in my early twenties. I think I would have enjoyed that. Sure, or as a teenager, as like a teenager, kind of yeah. being a camp counselor. Yeah. But then you got to you got to you got to ward off all these little girls. Then you have to <laughs> ward off all the little girls and you have to worry about serial killers murdering your ass. Well, also there's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they have camps like this anymore where it's kind of like general all purpose like it's yeah. just a camp full of shit. It's not like I feel like aren't camps like hyper focused now right, like yeah. science camp, mm-hmm. art like basketball camp, camp yeah. theater camp, sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. totally. Or it's kind of science. Jewish camp, Catholic camp, yeah. yeah. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. It's not like you're going to do everything. You're going to play sports, you're going to like Yeah. Go swimming, you're going to like learn this and that and that yeah. kind of that seems very old fashioned to me, but yeah. Make like those like those I know there's different names for it everywhere, but those like boondongle, like you <laughs> know the sticks with the yarn around it. Well, yeah. Oh man. You know, I uh, I would go to 4-H camp. I mean, that's oh, this is really making my like <laughs> country bumpkin come out. But I went to 4-H camp, and the 4-H camp was at a Boy Scout camp in the middle of the Judith Mountains, which are just outside of my hometown. Yeah. And it's straight up Crystal Lake, little <laughs> cabins. And I remember the night that we graduated high school, we went up there to go drink. To the cabins at the camp. To the cabins to go drink and make a bonfire. Wow. Yeah. Like, it is Friday the 13th. <laughs> Fun. I did not. I did not have that experience. I, I grew up in the. I grew up in the big city, baby. But, uh... <laughs> okay, so... There's a couple of there's a couple of scenes where um Tatum O'Neill, I keep forgetting her name, um Ferris, Ferris 
throat. The original Ferris. The original, yeah, the original Ferris. They have Ferris t-shirts. They yeah. made, yeah. they made like team Ferris t-shirts. Yeah. And I love that. I love that. Like the counselors are just like, so what's all this? And they're just like, oh, it's just, a, this is fun. We're just Don't worry little- about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's a couple of situations, mostly in the pool. Where Ferris kind of throws herself at Armando Sante. The the fake drowning situation. <laughs> Classic movie fake drowning. Yeah. And um and then later on she just kind of has like one on one swimming lessons with him. And I, I think Yeah, very weird would never happen nowadays yeah. under any circumstances. Would the swimming instructor be in like a speedo with this girl in his arms <laughs> yes. in a bikini, being like, "Hey, yes." And like, she's at one point, she's like, "Turn me over, it, flip me over, let me do the, yeah. the, the backstroke." What? And I don't know if the tone of the scene of how it's directed are we meant to kind of think this those scenes are sweet of how it's shot by mm-hmm. Ronald F. Maxwell? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, is he like a dirty old sixty year old guy who's like, I wish I had that fifteen year old girl in my arms? Well, you know, when when she does kind of like ambush him in his little cabin, that he has an entire cabin to himself. Is he the head counselor? I don't know. But she comes into his cabin and he's like, you know, hey, writing the great American novel. Yes, on the huge typewriter. Because of course he is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, she's just, she just starts in with, like, Romeo and Juliet and just like, oh, I love Ju-. – and he's just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh, I just love Juliet. And he's like, what? Like, what are you – and she's like, oh, you know, from Romeo and Juliet. And he's like, okay, I guess. So that scene, I feel like it's a little bit more blatant of, like, she's a kid and he's really like, what are you doing? But – yeah. He should just kick her think, out. You would think he would like stop her like at the door yeah. frame and yeah. be like, "Yeah, yeah, you're not coming in here. Go yeah. to bed. Bye." Yeah. Because but he's he, like, "Come on in. Yeah. Have a seat on the couch. Let's let's hang out at 10 p.m. Yeah. for a while." He's like, "What do I have in my fridge? Oh, I've got an apple and a coke." Like <laughs> offering her offering her snacks. It's like, no, yeah. He he maybe should have just been like that way. Turn it around. You're in a nightgown. I mean, I myself at 15 would have been like, let's do it, dude. Let's do it. But um, (laughs) I'm not Tatum O'Neill. So it's a different (laughs) dynamic between this man and this girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It's it's, like I was kind of saying earlier, there's this idea that maybe we as the audience are supposed to think that they would have these different kind of perspectives on – sex and losing their virginity because you know like i said one of them is you know has like divorcee mother and the mom when they do have the parents day the mom mm-hmm. comes uh you know angel's mom shows up and she's just like oh you know she says something about like about men and like having boyfriends and stuff first of all i love her mom <laughs> <laughs> one piece swimsuit yeah. under jeans yes yeah. Yeah, like so great. Hot. Yeah, yeah. We need to bring that back. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's entire Instagram accounts of moms from the '80s. Yeah, that look just like her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just smoking it, with your 15 year old. Yeah, smoking, and isn't that when she's like, "Mom, how old were you when you lost your virginity?" And she's like, 
angel she's like i must have been at least 20 years old it's like yeah i don't think so sweetie yeah yeah i do love it at the end at the end of the movie when they kind of reunite and she's like what are you 40 (laughs) i'm 29 29 is a good mom age i think that's a good that's the um that's the age that kurt russell tells goldie how old she is oh that's right overboard how old am i you're 29. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good. What do you think about in the movie? What do you, it's kind of like an unspoken thing. It's a weird, it's a movie it's, that's strange where you can look back at it retroactively. Mm-hmm. And now that we know that Chrissy McNichol is a lesbian, she's yeah. out. Out lesbian. Yeah. Right. And in this movie, she's supposed to be straight, probably, but. Yeah. There's this weird ambiguity if she doesn't want to have sex with Matt Dillon, even yeah. if she's like feeling the pressure to. Yeah. And earlier in the movie, when they're in the gas station on the way to the camp, that's when Cinder is like, "You're a lesbian, aren't you? Like you're into girls." And she <laughs> like lunges for her, like either to punch her or like. Do you remember that scene? It looks like sure. she's good. well. The thing is, Cinder Cinder says she tried to grab my tit, and like right. it kind of looks like she tried to grab her. Like, it doesn't look like, I don't know, it, it looked to me like she's trying to grab her. So, yeah, it is very interesting, uh, that whole idea of, like, oh, she's, prob- she's probably, like, a les anyway. And you're like, oh. Right. God. And they put that out there, but then they never really go back to that yeah. again. So yeah. she's supposed to be like, i got to show them I'm not a lesbian. I'll just, yeah. I'll have to screw some dude here. And like, yeah, yeah. But I feel like it makes sense. We mentioned this before, that the lesbian would zero in on a kid like Randy. that this isn't like this isn't this isn't the pretty boy this isn't like the blonde football player yeah i mean he's a pretty boy in his own i think randy has like negative 47 gaydar (laughs) yeah not knowing knowing that she's not straight randy would be in the relationship with the lesbian yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah he doesn't know what the hell's going on he's like oh she brought me one can of beer all right let's (laughs) let's do this Yeah, their dynamic is very interesting. Actually, I think the movie is like obviously like a lighthearted kind of like Mm -hmm. romp for the most part. But I think the one kind of like actually affecting scene is at closer to the end of the movie when Matt Dillon and Christy finally agree to have sex. They don't Mm -hmm. like show it, but they show like the after effects of them like getting dressed or whatever. And she's... I mean, she's a good actress for 15 years old or something. Because mm. he's like, I think I'm into you. And she's like, I hate you. Or she says something <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I yeah. feel like I'm in another world. Like, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, well, It's like it, kind of affecting. Well, I yeah. mean, it makes sense that this movie was written by women. Because I feel like if you handed that scene off to a man, it would be very different, too. Oh, yeah. That, right. So, I mean, this movie is written by Kimmy Peck and Darlene Young. That this is the type of story that should be tackled by women. I mean, it's not a female director, but it was a very different time right. of 1980. You, right. re- you really wouldn't see women directing movies until well, in, well into the 1980s. Yeah, but it's, but it's that moment that, uh, that the Angel character has that kind of, for, for lack of a less crude term, that like posts, you know, clarity. <laughs> Where <laughs> she's just like, okay, we're done. We're done here. <laughs> yeah, 
Or he was just really, really bad. Yeah, yeah, he, like, yeah. <laughs> lasted for like five minutes, and she's like, "Yeah, that sucked." Yeah, yeah. So okay, it, so I know there's a moment later on in the movie where the girls kind of like finally look at Cinder, and they're like, "You know what? Shut up. This is like." Everything that has been fucked up about this summer has been kind of your fault. Sunshine calls her out on it. And yes. the hippie girl calls Sunshine her out. Calls her yep. out on it. And Sunshine throws hands. Yeah. Which is like she's <laughs> the the hippie girl is the one that like gets violent. You go Miranda. Love it. Yeah, you go Miranda. Yeah, Cynthia's acting chop start in that scene where she's like, You fraud. Yeah. And she clocks her in the yeah. face. Yeah. And walks away. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. But I mean, do we ever get confirmation that Cinder is actually full of shit? I think she's full of shit. I mean, we think, obviously, yeah. we think she is, but it's like, A, is this guy really, did he really propose to her? And B, are they fucking as much as she's kind of laying it out? Because we do get that moment at the very end where they're all like, because this movie. For a lot of the movie, however long it is, 90 minutes or whatever, for like a full 85 minutes, they're really going hard on the fact that these children are not virgins. And I'm mm-hmm. like, but wait a minute. Cynthia Nixon and, you know, uh, what's her name? The girl that we were talking about from 16 Candles or from from uh, Pretty in Pink. Um, Alexa oh, Cannon, Dawn, Dawn Alexa Dana, Cannon. you know, all these girls. I'm like the 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 one redhead girl with like the braids. I'm like, these are children. <laughs> and yeah. and Cinder is fully like, oh yeah, you've all done it right. And they're like, of course we have. Yeah, isn't when they when they're talking about it originally, isn't she like I hit a home run at 12 or yes. something like that. Yeah. Like, Damn girl. <laughs> no, she says fourth base, first of all. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's like isn't that a home run? Yeah, I'm not good at sports, but isn't that same? A but home I, run? but I feel like we know enough to say that fourth base is just a home run. <laughs> you've already you've already rounded home plate. Yeah, you're you're yeah. you're back around. You're going back to first. Yeah, yeah, at yeah. this point. So so the whole time I'm just like this entire movie is predicated on the fact that these children are playing it off like yes they've had sex, and so finally at the end when they lay it all out and they're like you know what Cinder fuck you I am a virgin so. You know, sit on it, um, and you know what? Shit. And yeah. you know what? I find that empowering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but we never really do get the the revelation, and I'm kind of waiting for this revelation of like Cinder really is a fraud the whole time too. But I don't think we really get it. No, I think you kind of get like uh, Cynthia Nixon's like slam punch into her face yeah. is kind of like yeah. shuts her that's, up yeah, for the rest of the film mm-hmm. and kind of puts her in her place. And then you get the, um, it's interesting. You get the reveal only between the two leads, only between Christy and Tatum that Tatum actually never did have sex, even though she said she did. Right. And Christy said she didn't, but actually but did it, have sex. Yeah, yeah. And you get that kind of emotional reveal. And also they don't really go into too much of the, of the thing that they find out that Armand Asante like was hanging out with her. And I think like other leaders of the camp, whatever are kind of rumored that he had sex with, with Tatum. Right. right. And like, 
He isn't booted from the camp. Like what? Yeah. So yeah, we okay. were wondering that too. So so yeah. So there's a scene where you know she goes and she professes this whole she, like she comes over in the rain. Uh, right? She comes over in the rain and I feel like Juliet and all that stuff. And he's just like ha ha ha. He's but ultimately at the end of the scene he sends her home and she says this thing about like oh well if I was twenty you know would you, you know would you still be sending me home or whatever right but then she goes and tells everybody that they did it. And then this kind of gets spread around. But you're right. It's not blatantly said that, like, he got canned or he got fired or whatever. The only thing is that when she goes back to see him again, he's still in his bunk. But now he's just fully drinking a beer in the middle of the day. And he's like, oh, you've been going around telling everybody that we're, like, you know, doing it. So he knows that she's, you know. She's been spreading this rumor, so it must have gotten back to the powers of beer or whatever. But then at the, but in the, at the final thing, like he's at the bus and right. he's just sitting there saying, bye girls, bye girls. And then yeah. she's like, so um, when I come <laughs> back next year, can we like God. hit it? She doesn't say, can we hit it? Yeah, but she yeah. says something like. I'll see you next year, babe, whatever. He's like, mm, okay. I mean, I don't even know how many adult figures are even present at this summer camp. Have we like seen three. that many? We, there's the one lady. Yeah. <laughs> there's the one lady. One. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then I feel like when they, when Ferris fakes her drowning, some other adults come and help pull her out. Mm-hmm. But there's not, they're, they're just featured extras. They don't really have a lot of lines. It's but, like Lord of the Flies, basically. Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of. <laughs> Full out yellow jackets up in here. Well, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but there is a, there is a scene where you know, um, Ferris and Angel kind of. At first, they're very at odds with each other. They don't even want to have a bed next to each other. Like they can't even deal with that. They're just like, no way. Like, what? Um. But the food fight scene... I, I think that's kind of when the tension is broken. Yeah. Where was, they're kind of on even ground I was going to say, other. I think that's a it's, point it's where It's the food they, fight. Yeah. I think that's a point where the two of them are just like, okay, they're... Yes, they're throwing food on each other, but I think it's a little bit more of like... Icebreaker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. Who doesn't love a good food fight scene at a summer <laughs> camp, too? Food fights are so 70s. Oh yeah. Slash yeah. 80s. Yeah. It's just I just feel like they're like throwing all this food at each other. I'm just like, oh my god, this has got to smell so bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. There's something in the Wikipedia description where it talks about like what happens with Armand Sante that I'm like, where are they getting this? Now, was this a book or is it just like a story that they adapted this from? I think this is from the scr- a story from the screenwriter. Okay, so it's like story. Credit. I think That's that it's cool. original. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I looked at the Wikipedia and I was shocked to discover that the movie cost around five million dollars and it made wow. thirty-five million dollars. Wow, that's for a like, lot for like nineteen eighty. Kind of yeah. So I was reading that <laughs> yeah. there was a lot of contemporary pop music from artists like Blondie, Ricky Lee Jones, Supertramp, The Cars. In its original release, it was on some early home video transfers for it, like for VHS and Laserdisc that kept the soundtrack intact. But I think that all of the DVD and VHS, the later releases of it, 
they couldn't clear the music, and it's why it's been MIA from streaming. And I know that when they, a few years ago, probably when our friends that worked for TCM at the time, when they programmed it for TCM, they got one of the original prints with the music. Yeah. So, Pete, that can only mean one thing. If we were (laughs) sitting at home on our couch, surfing surfing our little little cable cable, box, it probably would have been blacked out. On TCM, oh, there because you it, go. Yeah. TCM does stuff like that on Sling. When our, st- our streaming music service, cleared. our yeah. streaming cable will 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 block. They it did out. that for looking for Mr. Goodbar. Sure. So we sure. we uh, watched this off of Amazon Prime, and we definitely got "Call Me" by Blondie. We got mm-hmm. "Oh My Love" by John Lennon. Sure. I don't remember a car song, but I don't remember a car song. There's also a really weird B John Lennon song that I didn't. I think it was recognize. all my love, but we we could have gotten a Ricky Lee Jones song, but yeah, it was. It, it, there were some songs where I was I like, think, I don't know what this uh, is. You can tell that they probably subbed in yeah. some of the songs with something different. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I actually have a copy, a DVD copy of this movie that a friend got me for my birthday Ooh. one year. It was a Korean bootleg. Oh my god! DVD bless. <laughs> it's. So, I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure it's the original music too. Okay, because I remember getting a video or something like years and years before that, and knowing that there were these songs like the like the Blondie songs mm-hmm. that they were kind of iconic to the movie, and not having that and being like, what is this like? Yeah, B grade copycat version. Yeah, doing in this movie. You know what I mean? It's it's like when Scott and I watch Beverly Hills 90210 on yeah. Paramount Plus, and which we like, were just doing earlier today. And there's some weird and ass, there's like some weird session singers, hokey pokey, yeah. like. <laughs> fake songs thrown in there um you know what i first found out about this movie from is uh matt do you remember the series i love the 80s and 70s on vh1 yeah yeah. (laughs) i remember i love the 80s for 1980 and i looked it up it was i love the 80s 3d and it is the first time yeah. that I remember hearing about Little Darlings. Okay. And they saved it until the very end. Because, they you did. know, for like episode. I Love the 80s, they usually save the big movie of the year until yeah. the very end. And they saved it for the very end. Yeah. Like, it was the most important piece of filmmaking <laughs> of the year that they had to round out the episode with. What did they say about that movie, though? Yeah, what were they talking about? I mean, I think they were just like forget Empire Strikes Back. This <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. Is this was this was I, this was this would I have been the third. This would have been the third. Like, so it was the third edition of edition it. of it. Yeah. When did you lose your virginity? Little darlings equals girl power. Girls. The 70s, it was all about the guys getting laid. The 80s, finally, the girls get a chance. I remember thinking, wow, they want it too? It's a contest. Little Darlings is about Christy McNichol and Tatum O'Neill, these two girls who were running around summer camp trying to lose their virginity. Who is going to get stuck first? I'll bet my residual check that you've gone with the original title, which was Statutory Rape. The Paris will become a woman by the end of the summer. There's the regular version, there's Strikes Back, and then there's 3D. So by this time, they had already covered most of 1980. <laughs> I think that yeah, I think yeah. there's a lot of discussion of watching this movie when you're young and being really excited to go to summer camp, and then when you get to summer camp, it's not anything <laughs> like Little Darlings. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And also yeah. this movie is about women little girls trying to fuck. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. and that is wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um I you re- think they could do you think they could remake this movie now oh, God, with like alterations. Oh man there, I think they'd have to do some heavy like editing or, or re reconnoitering of this of this of this material. But uh I mean I'm trying to compare it to something newer, but even something like Bottoms that just came out this past year. I mean, that is a cuckoo bananas movie <laughs> that that is going for broad comedy that yeah. this movie is not doing. Yeah, yeah. What if this was, what if it was remade by like Sofia Coppola? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I something would like, yeah. like, like they take out a lot of the slapstick stuff and sure. make it more like emotional. Okay, okay. I would like to see Sofia Coppola's pass on Little Darlings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of going with, uh, with uh, Michael Ian Black and all the, the I love the '80s, Wet Hot American Summer people, just doing a like, yeah, uh, '80s throwback, but with adults playing fourteen year olds. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been seeing a lot of memes lately. There's, you know, it's kind of big news that Netflix is going to raise their pricing again. Uh, in how much is it going to? It's, I think it's going to go to like twenty one dollars. Oh, we have like the for the four K. We have like the four K for one. the four K, which is what we have. Um, so I've been, I saw a meme earlier, and it said Netflix and Hulu have one more price bump before I dust off the my DVD player. <laughs> but you know, we we have our DVD, our Blu Ray player that we are like we're using that thing on the reg. Yeah, you know, we we buy four K movies like. We just bought Barbie was the last thing that we bought in 4K. I mean, if the release of Little Darlings is any indication is that physical media is important because yeah, yeah. this shit can be taken off streaming. Yeah. And if you have exactly. your, your Korean bootleg, like, <laughs> that's a good way to watch it in, in, a, in a kind of unaltered state, you know, because who knows what the hell we're getting when we're buying it on Prime, you know? Yeah, but d- d- this DVD is also feels like it's a burned like <laughs> sort of yeah. CDR and just burned it and put some kind of bad label on the on yeah. front of it. Yeah, a sticker. So, yeah. yeah, so it could disintegrate at some point. Right, right. And you'll never know until you open the case one day and it's like it's melted dust. or something. Yeah. But, um, I mean, so this is distributed yeah. by Paramount, and you just kind of have to think that. The Little Darlings DVD release is probably so low priority oh, for them. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. For that massive media company yeah. that they do not give a shit about there's, Little Darlings. There's no way. That until, this, yeah. until the podcast episode comes out and they're going to yeah. like, do a criterion cross-promotion. <laughs> cross when this episode goes viral, as it uh, inevitably will. <laughs> I want the Criterion Deluxe double disc version. Uh, yeah, I'm here for it. I want a, a commentary with with Tatum and and Christie. So reunited at long last. So Scott and I talk about this a lot, and the like this golden era renaissance of like the special edition DVD, like around 2004. Oh my God. was probably the peak of when that. When I was trying to navigate our Gattaca Blu-ray that you can tell that this was probably the Blu-ray that they just transferred over to 4k. Yeah. Navigating that fucking menu. I was just like, <laughs> I just want to get to the special features. Why is this so much work? <laughs> you know, I, I don't need a fancy menu. Just like, give me the three buttons. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> chapters extras boom but we but we just bought barbie in 4k and scott and scott goes 
I don't think there's a director's commentary on this. And I was like, what? And he's like, I don't think they do director's commentary anymore. I don't think they can be bothered anymore. And I was like, so shook because... Greta had too much shit to do this fall. That's the whole point of buying your deluxe special edition. Yeah. Four four disc version. Like, why does Hellboy 2 have more discs than, like, Lord of the Rings? Just because the special edition DVD was an event. It was like, I'm going to pay for over nine hours of bonus content. And it also depends on the director. If if you know they're a super cinephile and they want to add Yeah. Hours worth of extra content, yeah. or they have like twelve deleted scenes. Yeah, that's like an hour long. They're gonna be super excited about doing a deluxe version. But if there's some just like yeah, whoever the guy that made this like film, Bob Maxwell, I'm sure he's like, right. we don't have to do any extra. Just like Ronald Maxwell, throw it on a video cassette, and that's about it. Ronald yeah. Maxwell, who directed a film adaptation, I was telling Pete of when the lights went out in Georgia. Based on the song by Vicky Lawrence. Oh, isn't that Christy McNichol in the movie? I'm going to have oh, to track God. that down. I think you're right, actually. It's uh, her and uh, Mark Hamill and maybe Dennis Quaid, maybe? Wow. The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia. From 1981. Christy, <laughs> Christy McNichol, Dennis Quaid, Mark Hamill. Wow. 1981 Dennis Quaid? I'm here for it. Let's watch. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> Let's watch. Wow. Jesus. Sort of based on the plot to the lyrics of the song. I'm going to have to track that down because I am always, like, fascinated whenever I listen to that. The song? Either from Vicky or Reba of listening to the story of those lyrics. I am a proponent of the Vicky Lawrence version of The Night the Light. I like, I I like the Vicky Lawrence version. I know that Reba has a, a version. In it she won a Grammy for it. I'm here for Reba. Best but, new artist. But the Vicky version Mama. is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, I, I think we're long past the era of the special edition DVD. And, th- and this movie, like we said, who knows? I think that it would be a fun addition to something like Shout Factory or Criterion because I want to see a conversation with Christy McNichol and Taylor yeah. O'Neill now about it. Yeah. I want to hear their thoughts. I want to hear their thoughts looking back on this movie. Right. Yeah, I don't think it's lofty enough for a Criterion, but. Shout Factory, definitely. Yeah. It yeah. seems like a total... Didn't Shout Factory do uh, the Facts of Life, like, box set? Yes, I believe they yeah. did. Yeah. Yes. So that would be right up their alley, so I'm kind of surprised that at this point someone has not... Yeah. Shout Factory, hire, hire us to do... <laughs> Shout Factory, Arrow, get on it. Get on this it. Would probably, <laughs> this would probably fit more into Arrow's canon okay, okay. of home video. So, okay, uh... Going back a little bit to the facts of life, Scott and I are big proponents of the facts of life. We uh, watch it. We, we watch it almost daily. On so Logo. so here's the thing: we we still have uh, terrestrial television and the Logo Network. I want to okay. say from 10 a.m. until about 3 p.m. I think a, it's a little earlier. Maybe it's nine. I think it's probably around like one that it lasts. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. 10 a.m. to like 1 p.m is straight up only the facts of life. And they go chronologically in order. They do and, skip some episodes. And when it ends, they start over again at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's kind of great. Actually it's, own, we actually own the box set. So. Yeah. It's always a treat yeah. whenever you catch it when they're doing the Paris episodes. That's a treat. <laughs> uh, I, I, I have mixed feelings about facts of life goes to Paris. 
I do too. It's like, it's a little snoozy. Yeah. I'm kind of a sucker for this like total stage production, like three camera sitcom kind of like Mm -hmm. applause in the audience and like, well, yeah, it's that, it's that thing where they're, they're setting up jokes like a sitcom, but there's no laugh track. So it just feels like all the dialogue just kind of falls flat. Yeah. Um, same with same with Australia when they go to Australia. Oh, the on. Australia one is garbage. Yeah, that's garbage. <laughs> we but don't... the Paris one. You think they would, you'd have like Francois Truffaut or something like take <laughs> sure <laughs> completely be the director on that? That'd yeah, be amazing. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think they, yeah. we I don't think they risking it. <laughs> we actually don't have the complete series box set. We were purchasing seasons at a time. I think that we have probably seasons one through three. We have one through three, and then we have... uh, Oh, you bought one of the over our heads. The later seasons. One of the later seasons. Six, seven, and eight. Yeah, you can skip like the last season or so, but one through like... Up until like through Edna's Edibles, yeah, that's kind of like essential. <laughs> I think essential it's, that show is so wild of just television production and retooling shows that that show was given so many chances in retooling it, yeah. and now it's like they would be canceling that shit if like if something is not working, they're just pulling it. But for the facts yeah. of life, that ran through almost the entire 1980s and just went through various cycles. Of them cast. trying to yeah. rebrand the cast, rebrand the story, rebrand the sets. And now you just never see, like, you never see stuff like that with TV shows. No, they just give up. They just end it before. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, if you have something like Grey's Anatomy, I've uh, never watched that. But oh, sure. That's been around sure. like 15 years I more. Are you, um, I are you Edna's Edibles or Over Our Heads? Which one are you working at? <laughs> Edna's Edibles, definitely. Interesting. Uh, okay. So Pete and I are, I feel like we could probably work the sales floor now, over our heads. But uh, but also, I've worked in a French gourmet market that was very close to Edna's Edibles. Like, I very much felt like I was working in a live action Edna's Edibles. <laughs> it was so crazy. When I watch it, I'm just like, yep, we had all that. All that. We, we had it all. Um, but the, the reason we're talking about listeners, this is... <laughs> This Very is, important. Yes, it, it does tie back. Listeners, the reason we're talking about this, the facts of life. If you're not familiar, in season one, had eight main characters. One of them is Molly Ringwald, one of them, a child Molly Ringwald. <laughs> one of them is a child Molly. And uh, season two, the the powers that be said there's too many too many girls, too many students at this all girls East Coast boarding school. We've got to streamline this shit. And they did. They cut out a lot of the girls, but then they brought in Nancy McKeon as Joe Polnicek, my idol. My, I feel like my I, am, I am married to I am married to Joe, <laughs> my fashion idol. I do. Yeah. Ha- I do have a. You're a, like you're early seasons Joe though. I have a business in the front, party in the back, uh, haircut right, you're, right you're, now because Joe is kind of she's. She kind of rocks the Canadian tuxedo. She does. I wear denim jackets a lot. In denim jacket. I've been known to ride a, a motorbike uh, to and fro um, around town. But so what they did was they, they retooled. They brought in this girl, Joe. And, I mean, from then on, I always had in my head Facts of Life was this kind of like de facto Little Women analogy. Sure. Right? Yep. Because they named her Joe. 
And we've got Mrs. Mrs. Garrett, you know, who's our mermaid. But what blew my mind was, like we talked about earlier, is that, no, the writers really saw Little Darlings and were like, we have Blair. We have the Ferris character. We need to bring in the Angel character. And, And for the rest of the run, for seven more seasons, Blair and Joe and their dynamic they worked as each other's foils yeah yeah really was kind of the driving force their personalities bounced off of each other um and they created the entire kind of for that generation the butch femme kind of dynamic of absolutely the unrequited love story between these two women that was never consummated yeah Absolutely. 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 I mean, it it was a thing that as a kid, I never, I don't think that I caught onto it maybe on a, you know, surface level, but as an adult, I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) clearly, clearly this is what's going on here. Um, Again, listeners, if you have logo, if you have access to it, you can watch Facts of Life. Tubi. Any day day of the week. (laughs) Yeah. If you have Tubi. That was free That was an event. On my social media, when Facts of Life hit Tubi, a lot of people were like, "Everybody was posting about it." <laughs> yeah. Can I say a controversial opinion that right. I think Tubi is better than Amazon Prime? Oh yeah, I think, yeah. I think Tubi is like literally genius level. Oh, it's we're a, we're a Tubi household. There's some good shit on Tubi. I would love to work at Tubi <laughs> in acquisitions. I would love that. And I oddly don't even mind that there's commercials, which normally I'm, I mind on a streaming network, but it's yeah. kind of like, it just adds to the charm of being trashy. Sure. Yeah. Of cutting yeah. up your movie and then like cutting it at some random moment <laughs> and then going to a shitty commercial yeah, yeah. for DoorDash I mean, and then coming back like a minute and a half later and then back to the movie. So we had yeah. to buy Little Darlings off of Amazon and I was kind of shocked that Tubi didn't come through on this one. Yeah. Because I feel like sometimes for movies that we cover, Tubi is just like, I'm sure it's on Tubi. Yeah. yeah. It's very Tubi. It's, it's just yeah. kind of like the ship in the night that I'm sure that <laughs> the movie that we're going to be covering is on Tubi. Yeah. Yeah. But shockingly, not Little Darlings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I feel like, you know, listeners, patrons, we're going to get to Facts of Life on the Patreon. There's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of shit going on there. We've got Mackenzie Aston. Me as a little boy, just like losing my mind. I mean, that would be like your dream. I mean, come on, is hanging out with the Facts of Life girls and Cloris oh, Leachman. That, that was my dream as well. I wanted to. I was probably the same age as Mackenzie Aston on that show. Sure, yeah. At the time, so I was like, yeah, I'm him. I yeah. project myself onto his yeah. persona. Yeah. Can Beverly Ann just adopt me? I'm I'm here for it. I'll work it over ahead. That shit is wild. <laughs> that Beverly Ann just adopts <laughs> Mackenzie Aston. Yeah, I, is that controversial or is that just like? Well, I think it's just wild. I think the 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 more controversial thing for me is that he is kind of a grown, a gay he, boy. yeah, a, well, gay, a young gay man, a young gay man, uh, Andy Moffat. He's about you know thirteen, fourteen. He gets adopted by Cloris Leachman, and the very next day starts calling her mom. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> You know, that's your I own. don't remember that part. Yeah. Actually. After he after she after Beverly Ann adopts Andy, 
He he does not call her Beverly Ann anymore. He only calls her mom. Is he just like a random street orphan that kind of hangs out there? Because they, they tried doing this a couple of times. Once with uh, prolific voice actress Pamela Hayden, who is Bobby Hill on King of the Hill. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. She, and but she was a kid actor at the time. And during Edna's Edibles, she was kind of like a little street urchin. Miniature Joe, right? Yeah, Miniature Joe. She would yes. she would pop in and out of the shop, and she was out. In the opening credits for an entire season. Oh, wow. But maybe did like five episodes. Um, so they tried doing this. And yeah, he was just this boy who was just like, I want to hang around all you sexy, you know, teenagers who look 30. Um, right. <laughs> and then just, yeah, just became part of the crew. And then they had the story time where he falls in love with George Clooney when he remembers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. George. <laughs> Who's, yeah, J- named George. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the handyman. Yes. I think George and yeah. Andy. Uh, Famously fired from Facts of Life and then he went over to Roseanne. Okay. Why was he fired? George claims, George claims <laughs> that he was fired from the Facts of Life. Yeah. That he, like, showed up to work and they said, your service is no longer required here. Why, why would you do, do that? Do you know that he's Clooney? still friends with Mindy Cohn? Oh, oh I, I love, love that. I like to hope <laughs> that they that they send each other like happy birthday texts and like I read Christmas that, cards I read that Mindy Cohn became friends with um Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie because oh through God. George Clooney. Oh my god. Because and she worked like was she a nanny or something for them? Or like she had something where she kind of like well, I'm Jen probably some... Jen probably grew up on the facts of life too. I love this. Well, Jen also no, was Angelina Jolie. Oh, Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Excuse me. I was going to say yeah. Jen was the she was the Blair on the Facts of Life live on NBC. She was, but we're, but we're talking Angie here. Angie. Well, I mean, yeah. Angie could have grown up on the Facts of Life. I'm sure that Angie relates to Joe <laughs> a lot. So <laughs> prototype, yeah. Foxfire oh, prototype. Yes. Oh my God. I I love that. I love I love Mindy Cohn. I think she's great. She's an ally. We love her. She's yeah. Amazing. <laughs> um So is there another way to wrap it back into Little right. Darling? Should, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could be gone off the track. I know. I think we got we did a little deep dive into into, into facts of life, but I don't know. I think listeners are 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 here for it. Um We'll, we'll we'll tie it back into Little Darlings. I think that what strikes me about this movie, if we're going to be kind of wrapping up our thoughts on mm-hmm. Little Darlings, is that I think that at the exterior of this movie, you get this silly summer camp movie. But I do think this movie turns very sincere about mm-hmm. how it talks about all of these issues, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, again, it's... it's um, it kind of flips your ideas of what their expectations are going to be about losing their virginity and all that. And um, it's, you know, it does that thing where, you know, the angel character is the one that is a little bit more like reticent when it gets down to it. She's, yeah, you know, especially that scene in the boathouse where it's like, this is going to happen right now. And she's the one that kind of is like, okay, I'm, maybe I'm not ready for this. And the one that you might have thought would have been a little bit more buttoned up or. Mm-hmm. you know, Percy or what have you is the one that's just like, I'm going to bone down with this adult man. Yeah. I'm going to tell everyone I did. Um, yeah. 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 So kind of just and kind of it, challenges. And expectations. I'm actually quite something that kind of makes the movie is that Percy McNichol and Tatum O'Neill are really good actors. Yeah. Yeah. They're really naturally, yeah. they're really natural on camera and they feel 
conversational. They don't feel like a bad child actor. Right. Yeah. And that kind of saves it from being like a ridiculous movie. I think. Yeah, totally. Because there, there are some characters that are a little bit more, like charactery, like especially like Cinder and Sunshine. This, yeah, the Cynthia um, Nixon character. Yeah, that can yeah. that can take it into a little bit more of a like movie kind of territory. But those two kind of really they really ground it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and funny, both of them. I mean, I guess I guess Chrissy had the success with Empty Nest, but mm-hmm. I think I think Chrissy's movie career in the eighties kind of. She did a bunch of movies in the early eighties, and like I don't know if they were successes or not. Right, they were the pirate I'm movie. Sure, as a movie star, and it kind of just didn't happen. Really. Yeah, I think the pirate movie is more of like a cult. Yeah, yeah, cult she's classic. all culty kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. The pirate movie with uh, movies that made us gay favorite. Christopher um, Christopher Atkins. Christopher Atkins from the Blue Lagoon. Blue Lagoon. Yeah, absolutely. It would be fun to do the pirate movie. Yeah, on the show maybe. Oh. There's actually another – it's not related to Little Darlings any, like, realistic way, but uh-huh. Tatum O'Neill did – I think it was her last movie, maybe, or her last, like, lead role in a movie. She mm-hmm. did a movie in the mid-'80s with Irene Cara, and it was called – what was it called? Where she plays a total bad girl, like a total angel Little darling type bad girl, uh, but a little bit older, maybe like nineteen or twenty. Sure. On the run from the law. And oh I, my god. What is the name of it? Interesting. A certain fury, maybe. Is that the name of it? God. And it's like it's you should do that movie on the podcast. <laughs> it's called it's, certain it's, it's called it's certain, totally certain Fury from nineteen eighty five. Okay. Scarlet she plays Scarlet McGinnis. Yeah, there's Irene Cara. Wow. Okay, I'm not familiar it's, with this one. We'll look it's it totally. I we saw it, uh, maybe like a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. It's on. It must be on Tubi or something. I was gonna like say it's streaming. Streaming on Tubi. Super, it's super <laughs> nice. It sure is. Um, Pete, I'm gonna <laughs> yes. um, ask you a little trivia question. Okay. We were mentioning when Tatum did the episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. Do yes. you remember? What episode she did? Oh gosh! Oh, I mean, no. it kind of makes sense when you look at her career, winning the Oscar. She did the Diva Awards. The Diva Awards. I think that's like season. <laughs> season that's two. Like season two. It's Raven and Jujube. Raven and Jujube. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Okay. That makes sense. One of those it. actresses that I'm kind of surprised that like. Ryan Murphy hasn't come knocking on her door of right. just kind of stunt casting her on one of his projects for just a one episode thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't think she acts anymore. Actually. Yeah. You know what? I actually think she had a stroke recently. Oh yeah. I think she's yeah. like in oh, okay. rehab for like okay. the recovery from that. Yeah. I think that just happened in the last like year. Maybe. Oh, wow. Well, I was, I was going to say, it's one of those things where, Actors that have been in the business since they were kids, kind of like a Matt Dillon or even like a Drew Barrymore situation where you're just like, they're, we've kind of had them in our head as being around for so long. But at the end of the day, they're pretty young, you know? Yeah. Like Tatum O'Neill and, and, and Christy McNichol. Yeah, they're probably like I mean, 50s. Yeah, she's 50, 55, 56 maybe. Born in 63. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so she's pushing 60. I think that Matt, <laughs> I think, and I think that Matt Dillon's are on the same age, like okay. 60, 62, 63. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, bo- year that they were born. Year that they were born. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, re- relatively young based on how long that they've just kind of been around in the in the industry. But um, we'll we'll look we'll look up Tatum and see. Hope hope she's doing hope she's doing well. But uh, yeah, Christy Christy McNichol also kind of retired a while. Yeah, ago. I, heard, I heard actually she retired from acting, and then she became an acting like a drama teacher in high school for oh. wherever she lived. Okay. Isn't that kind of nuts? That would be kind of amazing. <laughs> that would be kind of fierce to have her as an acting teacher. Yeah. Yeah, she's directing your plays. Um, yeah, because she left movies and TV probably like 20 years ago yeah, or something, yeah, or even ago. longer, I think. Oh, I'm seeing that um, Tatum had a stroke in May of 2020. How sad. Yeah. Well, yeah. hopefully hopefully she's she's on a, on a road to recovery. Uh, so... You know, we do watch a lot of Golden Girls in this house, and we mentioned Empty Nest, starring Christy McNichol. Um, Empty Nest is not on streaming anywhere, uh, so and we don't have DVDs of it. But when they do crossovers, it's always uh, it's always Dinah Manoff. It's always it's Mar- always it's Marty always from Greece. Marty from Greece. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Christy McNichol never. Did she ever go on the Golden Girls? I don't, I don't remember. Think she ever did. I don't think she ever did. Yeah. So we don't we don't ever get that cross that emptiness crossover with with her. But but I remember watching it, and I I remember as a kid feeling like I can watch the Golden Girls. This is a little bit accessible to me as a little gay boy. Emptiness was a little too adult. But I feel like emptiness was for grown up. Yeah. It was a grown-up yeah, show. Yeah, it was. More, it was also more boring. It was kind of yeah, like yeah. It didn't have the same. Fun vibe, jokey. Like yeah, yeah. It was a little bit the like emptiness episode a is bore, a boring dad with these kind of like neurotic daughters neurotic, that yeah. are like thirty. And, and the emptiness like, episode is yeah. one of the episodes that Golden Girls fans hate the most. Well, but that's not yep. really related to the series. It's not that's, related to the series, but it's always yeah. like it's top five worst Golden Girls episodes. Emptiness is always there, right? <laughs> it's what it's what emptiness would have been had it not been so terrible. And then they, yeah, oh, they kept it was. The set for the house. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm just like, okay, Richard Mulligan is an old man, which I'm, like, not interested in. And then his daughters are, like, neurotic, which could be fun for, like, me as, like, a, you know, preteen gay boy. But I don't know. It was just a little bit too 80s in their, like, neuroses. <laughs> <laughs> for me to like yeah. really get into and they had an annoying neighbor kind yes. of dude like yeah blocky neighbor guy he uh he was the spokesperson for uh for azuzu he was joe azuzu <laughs> do you remember that oh yeah that that weird line of like korean cars he was joe azuzu and he was he was like the spokesperson for that and he was in every commercial he was like the he was like the um he was like the flow of like the eighties. Yeah, I haven't I haven't thought of that since it was on. So yeah, that, I just, it's that thirty yeah. years ago at least Un- unlocked a thirty five year old memory of Joe yeah. Azuzu. Yeah, he was he was the the wacky neighbor on that show. But um, it's interesting when we do watch Golden Girls. I'm like, oh yeah, this is an empty nest episode, but it's never Christy McNichol. So yeah, I would I feel like I'd be interested to watch a couple of episodes to see. I don't remember what her character's kind of arc was, but you know, I just know that she looked like Joe Polinchek because she had she super huge hair, mm-hmm. like big, like crimped, frizzed out, like yeah. gigantic hair with big blazers shoulder with big pads. shoulder pads. Yep, yeah, and like 
mini skirts yeah. kind of thing. Her hair was like tall on the top, short on the sides, long in the back. Big in the back. Yeah. Like. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. It was it was it was a time. But um yeah. I I don't know that anybody could find empty. I don't even know if it had a DVD release. I mean, there may have been one that's long since out of print. Oh, well. At least we can watch Tatum O'Neill on on season two of (laughs) of Drag Race. She's a lot of fun. (laughs) The Devo Awards. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the Where Where Are They Now? But um, is it about about that time? I think it's about that time. Any last thoughts about Little Little Darlings? Darlings? Anything we haven't covered yet? Anything we haven't covered? I think... I... I'm just surprised that it doesn't have a bigger. I mean, maybe it does have some big underground. Yeah, I think it has a big lesbian following. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Any yeah, any Christie fan is like yeah up in this grill. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that I think this episode of this podcast might just kind of like start a a revolution for for little darlings. Maybe maybe we'll see. I mean, blow up on. I mean, like I said, this movie was unavailable up until a few years ago on streaming that, I mean, we hadn't seen it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I had definitely like seen an old ass like VHS. Sure. And I always remember seeing that, seeing it in, in, in video stores, but now that it's available, you know, we got to take it, uh, take it for what it is. Maybe there's some weird music cues in there. I mean, I feel like we like to think that we're, we like to think that we're the main, we like to think that we're the Christy McNichol angel character, but are we are we just Penny? <laughs> are we just Penny breaking into the boys' locker room to steal the condom machine? I don't even know if that tough. for the of other all the girls, girls besides the two leads. Isn't she probably one of the cooler ones? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. even though she's oh yeah, this one. even though she's ten, yeah. She's grabbing know. one. I think she grabs Christy at one point. She looks, stares in her eyes, and says. Men are afraid of falling in love. Yeah, and then the other girl's like, "Don't give her advice." Oh Don't my give god! Her advice. I feel I feel like at the end of the day, I'm probably the one the one girl. Her character name is actually Chubby. Oh, yeah. Gosh. They I can't even give her a real name. Yeah, but she, but she but she tells Cinder at the end. She's like, "I'd rather." What does she say? Like, "I'd rather be like chubby and happy." Yes. Yeah. I'm like, all right, you better, you better work. It's like her one of her only lines. Yeah, she didn't have, she didn't have a lot of lines, but she, she got a good, she got a good little jab in at the end, and she was kind of always there in the background of their, of their scenes. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's who I would have been. Um, Scott, you're Scott, you're giving me sunshine a little bit. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting. I'll take that. (laughs) I like sunshine in this movie. Yeah, giving, giving the other girls these like. They're niacin supplements. <laughs> These like potions to <laughs> like to make them more like sexual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god, Matt! Thank you so much for coming on. Do you want to talk a little bit about your your music? Your music? Yes, we'd love to hear albums. it. I was listening to yeah. microfilm when I was washing clothes today at the <laughs> at the laundry mat. Yeah, sure. Uh, we have a new album that just came out this week. It came out in Halloween. And this is just a couple days after that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Giallo Amore Mio, which is Italian for Giallo, my love. And Giallo, if you don't know, is like a Italian slasher kind of horror right. movie sure. genre yep. that was big in the 70s, 80s. Mm-hmm. And um, we're big fans of those films. And we just want to make a, we just had like some music laying around and kind of 
put it, compiled it together as well as making some new songs for it. And I want to have a big kind of soundtrack vibe for this record of like scary, dark horror movie kind of creepiness. And so, yeah, it's out now. It's streaming everywhere. Our main site, if you want to listen to it and purchase it, if you're one of those old-fashioned people who buys music, <laughs> it's uh, microfilm.bandcamp.com. But um, like, it's streaming everywhere. So if you're a Spotify person or whatever, you can still hear it there as well. I love that. Awesome. And uh, do you want to plug your socials so people can find you? Sure. Uh, we're on, I think we're most active on like Instagram and Twitter at Microfilm Music. I think we're like that's that tag at Microfilm Music on TikTok as well and maybe Threads and uh, Blue Sky and all of them is pretty much that tag. So join us, add us, yeah. follow us, please. <laughs> awesome sounds good well thank you so Love much that. for coming on the show man thank this you so much a really fun episodes yeah yes um hit us up anytime you want to come back and we'll definitely have you on again in the future oh yeah definitely i've got i've got a list worked in my head of okay. these maybe old-fashioned for i know a lot of films that you do are pretty i'd say tw- at least 20th century maybe 90s sure and they have some things kind of a, like this era that i saw as a kid that really kind of did a number on me so i'd love I, to bring another one back good i i love this era i'm all i'm all about it so let's let's do it um but until yeah. then we will bid you adieu we'll see you next time thank you for coming on the show man thanks matt bye thank you. thank you so much for listening everybody thank you so much yes indeed little darlings wow yeah <laughs> It was a fun discussion. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to it. So, um, yeah, thanks so much for sticking around to the very, very end. Pete, is it that yes. time? I think it's that time. Uh, time for some Patreon. Patreon shout outs. Let's hear them. <laughs> yes, indeed. We want to say a great big thank you and hello to all of our wonderful active patrons, including, uh, let's see, Tammy and Roberto, Brett, Trent, Daisy, Kelly, Chrissy, Stephen. Jake, Desiree, Laura, Thomas, Lori, Brenna, Jessica Rabbit, Lawrence, Lisa, Alexis, Thomas, Millie, Ted, Benny, Jamel, Melanie, Susan, JJ, Shelby, Jamie, Drew, Genevieve, Dawn, Joshua, Emma, Melly, Aaron, Nick, and Shannon, Christine, and also Rafino. You guys. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being patron. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All of our Patreon donations go directly to keeping the show on the air ad-free every week. You guys, we have not taken a break for like 48 weeks or something. With the Patreon membership, <laughs> you'll also get the TV that made us gay. You'll get the TV episode of the month. We did oh, we did my so-called life in mm-hmm. October. That was a fun one. We sure did. And we're coming up on a new one for November. We're going to be doing TV shows every month. So uh, throw us any suggestions if you have any. Um, and we'll we'll uh, think about putting putting one of those out there. We also have over thirty commentary tracks, bonus episodes. We give you instructions on how to sync up our commentary tracks so you can watch the movie and listen to us chat about it on in the, real time. On the occasion that I have all of my shit together, I will mm-hmm. put up the episodes early on Patreon. Oh too. yeah, that happens every now and then on Patreon as well. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff out there. Check out Patreon.com/slash/movies that made us gay for more information. And um, again, thank you so much for uh, for being patrons. Um, you can go ahead and follow and subscribe mm-hmm. any podcast platform and go ahead and write us a review. We love to read the kind words like this one from Eureka 1127. Great entitled great pod. And 
this one just says, love, 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 you guys. Awesome. And you know what, Pete? I love that. <laughs> yes, I love any review. You know, uh, ratings, reviews, um, liking comments, posting, you know, reposting, sharing, all that stuff really helps the word get spread about our show, about our socials, all that stuff. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, you can write us a review. If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can give us a five-star rating. So please go ahead and do all of that. Um, in your spare time. You can follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook. We are at Movies That Made Us Gay. And on X at MTMUG Pod. Yes, indeed. I believe we have a, we have a blue sky, mm-hmm. too. We're all there. But yes. we're most active on Instagram. I'm most active on Instagram. 3,000 followers. Thank you so much. Let's keep let's keep those numbers up. Uh, you can follow our personals if you want. My name's Pete. I'm at Peter Lasagna on Instagram. Scott Gungballer on Instagram and follow my letterbox. Yes, indeed. Keep an eye on our letterbox. We're watching fun stuff all the time. And whatever Scott's watching, I'm right there watching it with him. So that's why I don't have one. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Bye. See you next week. Bye.